0: Hello and welcome to this, the 25th episode of the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. Can you believe we made the quarter century? I am your host, Angus O'G mcanally Artistic Director of Rise Productions, a freelance actor, more recently a director and a producer here at Rise. I'm a 15-year veteran of the Irish theatre scene and a third-generation theatre maker. And as ever, we are coming to you live from our studios at the Irish Theatre Institute in the heart of Dublin's cultural quarter of Temple Bar. And what an exciting week it has been for me personally. Personally, we've been very busy here at Rise Towers organising and producing the Glasgow run of Fight Night with uh, with the brilliant Michael Sheehan. Um, so we've been proofing flyers and posters and chatting to designers and talking to publicists and all that kind of crazy behind the scenes stuff that, uh, that we get to deal with here, which is great crack, but also on a personal level. This week was my first week back in the Abbey in a while uh, to rehearse on that amazing show, The House, that I'm going to be doing this summer um, by the great Tom Murphy. And it has been an exceptional week. It's one of those things uh, you heard me talking last week probably with John Morton about our love for pro wrestling. Well, there's a, there's a, a term in pro wrestling, which is to, to mark out, which is where you kind of go crazy when you meet someone you're a huge fan of. And so my mission this week has just been to desperately try to avoid marking out in that room because, you know, apart from the fact that he's arguably our greatest living writer and he's there in the room with you and, you know, Annabelle's such an amazing director and looking around at that cast you're just looking around everywhere you turn oh there's Declan Conlon oh there's Lorcan Cranich oh there's Kathy Belton oh there's Eleanor Methven oh there's Catherine Walker and the list just goes on and on and on it's uh it's insane um but it's lovely to be there and again to kind of continue on the wrestling analogy uh, I had a sense the other day of you know, in the way that in wrestling, pro wrestling at the moment, the guys that are making it to the top are the CM punks and the Daniel Bryans, who are guys who slogged and slogged and slogged away on the independent circuit, working for no money, just plugging away, trusting that although they didn't necessarily fit the type that the big boys were looking for, eventually they knew that if they worked hard enough and put the work in, they would get to where they deserve to be. And now you see those both those guys are, you know, champions at the moment. Um and my granddad had a line about that, which is A consistently high standard of work over a long period of time cannot go unnoticed. Um, And I have to say, it feels a bit like with the work that we've been doing here at Rise over the last while, plugging away with, you know, minimal funding here and there kind of no direct funding from the arts council um, but great support structures around us and kind of the help and advice from friends in the business but we've been plugging away doing an awful lot of hard work scraping it by just making things happen for ourselves and it feels that you know kind of the work that i was doing on on fight night um maybe has led to this in some way and it's nice to be back in the abbey um you know it's been a couple of years since i was last there uh, and it's lovely to be back in it's you know it's where every actor should want to be and uh, and it's wonderful to be back in there i'm having an absolute ball in that rehearsal room really looking forward to getting stuck into the play properly over the coming weeks it's uh, it's a beautiful place to be um, literally and metaphorically and uh, and I'm just having a blast so it's all good so look as ever we bring you these interviews every week free of charge we have promised that we'll never ever charge for these interviews but we are of course looking for you to put your money into Irish theatre the whole ethos behind this podcast is to celebrate promote and support all that is great about Irish theatre and as i've saying to you every week for the last 25 What's the best way to support? Go out there and buy yourself some tickets. It's really straightforward. Go and support live theater. Uh, It's simple to do go and do it. Or, you know what, if things are a bit tight at the moment and ticket prices are beyond your reach, go on over to fundit.ie or any of the other crowdsourcing websites. But particularly fundit.ie has a, has a heavy theatre bias. Um, they've had some great uh, campaigns run over there. The one that obviously we're championing at the moment is uh, from Devious Theatre, our guests on last week's podcast with their production of Night and the Living Dead. That's a, a, a campaign they're running over there at the moment. But there's plenty of other theatre shows over there as well. Um, and donations start from as low as a fiver. You're not giving away your money for nothing there are always great rewards in return it's worth going and checking it out of course there are many ways you can support without having to put your hand in your pocket we understand that times are tight at the moment that's fine so look how do you help spread the word about what's going on in Irish theatre well spread the word about us here on the podcast and we'll help do the job for you go and tell people about the podcast tell them in person over a cup of coffee tweet the link that we'll put out on your Twitter account or maybe just share it on Facebook you can go and subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes that does an awful lot to help boost us up in chart position and whatever else uh, of course it's always streamed on the Fight Night website which is fightnight.ie uh, if you're out and about it's a good way to get it and you can also access it on radiomade.ie you can go back and listen to all our other episodes over on iTunes you can leave us a review which really helps or you can simply click to rate us on their 5 star rating system you can follow us on Facebook we are facebook.com forward slash Rise Productions Ireland or you can follow us on Twitter we're at Rise Ireland So, that brings us to this week's guest, and this week it is the inspirational Pat Kiernan from Karkadarka down in Cork, Um, a director of such amazing vision. I had the great uh, opportunity to work with Pat on their production of The Tempest down in Cork back in 2006, which was just the most... An enormous, elaborate, spectacular stage show, again now off-site, but the most spectacular stage show I've ever been involved in. It was remarkable with, you know, 30-foot-high, fire-breathing angels. The entire play took place in the middle of a pond, in the middle of a park. Um, huge audiences every night, a cast of I don't know how many, um, and just wonderfully theatrical stuff. And And Pat's just such an interesting guy. He's been at this for over 20 years now, maintaining that base in Cork and and kind of bringing such top quality work to uh, to Cork audiences for so long now and obviously we talk about some of their massive successes down there including of course Disco Pigs and we'll obviously get to that in the interview. But you know he's just a director who has an incredible sense of where he's from and an incredible desire to make theatre for them down there. So we of course did this podcast live via Skype, not to the States as we've done before, not to the UK as we've done before, but to the People's Republic, to Rebel County itself. This is direct via Skype to Cork, here he is, the Brilliant, Pat Kiernan. The wonderful Mr. Pat Kiernan, thank you so much for agreeing to come on to the uh, Irish Theatre Podcast. Uh,
1: Thanks, Angus. I'm delighted to be here.
0: Excellent. Well, look, let's start off the way we start off every week. What was it for you that first interested you in a career in theatre? What was the spark? How did you even consider it as a career? Where did it all start for, from you?
1: Well, I suppose, like, for me, I I, I suppose I never grew up going to theatre, really, um, and uh, I mean, I would have got the pantomimes when I was a kid with, with, with the family like. but I'd never been to a play until I was 20, I think. Um, and I remember there was a friend of mine, we were just reading, and we were kind of into Brendan Behan and we went up to see Barstelboy Boy because of the Brendan Bean connection when I was 20 or whatever, mad into him and... Um, uh, I was blown away by it as a, I, you know, I was kind of into film, I guess, in, my, in like acting and, you know, I kind of liked the whole idea of that, but uh, theatre as such, I, I, I wasn't aware of. Um, and I kind of was blown away by the medium, actually, uh, uh, that evening when I saw it. Um, it was a really good production as well. I don't know what I would think of it now. But, <laughs> it, 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 it was just, it just kind of blew me away. So I remember uh, uh, at that time I was... Um, I was repairing forklift pallets in um, coal yards around the city. Um, And I saw a sign when I was going for my lunch for the youth theatre that they were looking for actors uh, in a play. And I was kind of going, I remember it was between 16 and 21, as far as I remember. And I kind of just fitted in, uh, 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 in the age bracket. Uh, So I went along and uh, I acted in a play, the insect play. Um I played an aunt in that. And uh I was surrounded by these fifteen and sixteen year olds who were who had lots of experience and uh I had none and I suppose I just started doing a couple of shows with the youth theatre then and uh acting in them and I think as I was acting in them then I um I kind of began to notice the, you know, the mechanisms around making the thing. And uh, um, I kind of got interested in uh, 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 directing then or the idea of it. And I directed a, a, a piece with them then at uh, uh, um, kind of the, the last thing we did. And then I remember myself and um, Connor Lovett were in a show there. He was in the show that I directed. And uh, we were kind of poached by uh, UC, UCC Dramat to come in and do shows with wow. them. Uh, which was a big thing at the time because I suppose like they were kind of serious you know uh, um so I remember there was a play um uh, uh, an Edward Bond play which I can't remember the name of no uh, but anyhow we we kind of did that and then like at that time in UCC dramatic that, that like that there was no um like there was no training, uh, it, particularly in 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 uh, uh, nationally, there wasn't really. You know, there was, there was 1991, I guess. Yeah. And um, I uh, so there was there was the old Granary Theatre, which meant that there was, you know, we, we were all we, we were unemployed. We were in there all the time, either acting in a show, directing a show, lighting a show, building the set. You know, it's a very quick turnaround. So. um that Was a brilliant environment to be in, and you know, there were great people around at that time as well. Like John Crowley was doing great work there at the time, um, Connor, there was it was just a good buzz there at the time. And I guess that there was a lot of it was like a training, actually, a, a, a practical uh, training, well, just being
0: thrown in at the deep end and, and, and actually just making it happen,
1: yeah. And um, yeah, and and you know, doing different things on every production, you know, uh, uh with, with great regularity, and um. I kind of directed a show then for uh, uh, UCC Dramat, which um, entertaining Mr. Sloan by Joe Orton, and it was went to Isda, the drama festival, the student drama festival, and uh, I won best director at that festival. But then it came out that I wasn't in UCC. <laughs> the plot thickens. So- so they were trying to take that back off me, uh, uh, the award back off me. But anyhow, what it led to was that we, we had to leave uh, uh, um, Dramat. They kind of took a kind of a strict line then, and that it had to be uh, uh, people who were at uh, uh, university could uh, uh, take part in dramatic, which hadn't been the case up to then, really, you know. Um, so that was very sudden. And then I suppose basically myself and Connor and Judy, his wife, you know, who directs him and uh, uh, uh his Beckett stuff and G- Gareth is uh, 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 players that um, we, uh, we just said well what are we going to do we said we'll, we said, we'll set up a company um, to allow us to keep doing what we were doing except we rented the granary. so there was no policy there was no uh, uh, um, kind of long term ambition or plan or strategy or uh, um, policy other than just to keep making work and so yeah, it was myself and caller and uh, uh, Judy and um, a girlfriend of mine at the time, uh, Deirdre Lee, And uh, we, we, we we so we started Korkadorka and the name then the Kork-a-Durka came from Judy, who used to say Korkadorka if she saw somebody begging on the street or um uh yeah, someone down and out in the city, she'd say, I love Korkadorka. So that's where the name came from. So said, Yeah, that sounds like a good name. Let's let's call ourselves that. And we did uh, Georg Buchner play uh, Leons and Lena as the first show. Um, and, yeah, so that, that, so there was never a kind of, I uh, think, to make a career out of it, other than it just kind of felt to be the right thing to be doing at that time. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, a, there was no long-term strategy. I suppose I had been playing in bands and stuff as well before that, and it was more that kind of a aesthetic, I guess, that was kind of short-term looking at Singles, which were plays, I suppose, rather than anything else. Right, know?
0: okay. And at that stage in your head, had the switch flicked from being necessarily a performer into being a director, or were you still open to looking at, you know, kind of jumping between the two?
1: Well, <laughs> jumping between the two, because there was a guy, Terence White, who was directing shows as well with us, And for the first year or two, like like we did an extraordinary amount of work in the first couple of years because none of us had been paid. It was so much easier to, you know, there was a a level playing pitch that we just kept doing stuff. And I alternated between directing shows and acting in them.
0: Okay. And around that scene around Cork at the time like you say that there was that kind of hive of activity and you know obviously you've gone on to the prominence you've gone on to and Connor's gone on to the prominence that he's gone on to and whatever else but around that time was was there a, a, was there a buzz around Cork city at the time uh theatre wise
1: there wasn't really you know i, th- I mean there was no professional theatre company in the city at that time uh Cork theatre company had folded b- b- shortly before. i think i saw one of their last shows when my interest began uh, in 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 the medium um After that, I suppose, while we were still uh, um, uh, uh, kind of at our early stages, Meridian uh, 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 were in operation and were uh, uh, funded. So they were the only kind of company. I suppose Graffiti were there all the time. Who, um, I suppose they were the company at that time who had professional actors and actors in the city. Right, okay but it was pretty barren and you know you have to remember that was the last recession as well around that time and you know it wasn't cool to stay in Cork at that time you know it was almost uh, um, you know it was failure to be staying in Cork particularly for doing something that you weren't getting any money for. right okay and in terms of you know
0: having had that spark Lit for you initially by by going to see the, that production of Borstal Boy. How were you? How were you able to sustain an appetite for theatre at that time? If if there wasn't a huge amount going on, had you to travel or did you just read about it or did you have to go without? I
1: remember like the, we used to read endlessly uh, 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 anything to do with theatre, and I think that there was at that time as well. There was a guy in uh, UCC, Stephen Gale, who. Um, was putting on, you know, he was v- v- very interested in uh, kind of uh, 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 European models of theatre that we wouldn't have been familiar with. And so he was putting on that pro- those productions. So we then were putting on... W- w- they were the texts we were leaning towards as well then uh, 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 to look at to do. Um, you know, I suppose we were all kind of united uh, 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 against naturalism and realism. Uh, uh, um because that was the one thing that, uh, I suppose, between UCC Dramat and uh, 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 Stephen Genn, those influences that we felt that were... uh, I don't know, that that, that seemed to be the right way to go about it, you know? You know, there was the very basic thing of, you know, otherwise it's television and, you know, I suppose you know, we began then to do work outside of theatres, which, you know, exaggerated that as well even more at that time, you know, and I remember, you know, there was a guy, Alan O'Leary, who, who um, designed stuff with us, and he, we, we have meetings, actually, every week um, with the group of us that were making the plays, making the work, making the, 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 the stuff, and uh, remember he had a book about, uh, where he had read that previous week about making work in this particular way, Outside of theatres, no, that was influenced also by the fact that, you know, there was only the Opera House, there was uh, the Everyman, um, uh, you know, the Granary was, 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 uh, uh, it's, it was its priority was uh, students, It had, actually the old Granary had burnt down as well in the meantime, so that was kind of gone, the Cat Club was for amateur drama, so it was difficult, the existing theatres, there was no way we could afford them.
0: Right, and how early in in those early days of of Darko, when you was just starting off from the from the get go, were you looking at site specific work, off site work, trying to trying to break it down, and and was that like you say, was that as much uh, kind of because of the situation you were in and the access to theatres as as much as, as an aesthetic choice,
1: say. It was both, it was both, I think, like, say for the, the very first show we did was, um, you know, there was no seats in it and there just elevated platforms around the the, 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 the the space. The next show we did, which was a Moliere play, that's called with Scapam that it was, we inverted where the seats and the um, uh, 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 playing area was. So there was always this thing of space. Then we did a show, you know, you know that we made a little theatre in um, City Hall, uh, um for a play called Oh, um, so I, I suppose like you know I think that the the first one we did really then was around nineteen ninety three was it, I think it's December ninety three, which was um, a, a version of Christmas Carol that End Walsh uh, adapted, and we did that in the in in the old Cork City jail, um, and you know. You know, I mean, like the way we were looking at was that like you could the, the, you could get these most incredible sets that we could never afford to do, right? And well, it's history to the, 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 but again, it wasn't considered in any great way you know it was it just felt right it seemed to be right it allowed us it made sense um, financially and it excited us in terms of we were going we didn't know how to do it you know Uh, um, you know I remember very basic things like you know you're unaware of this. you you, you need acoustics you you don't know how an audience behaves like the first one in 1983 was a promenade show as well so um, there was a yeah, it was a big, huge learning curve, but a very exciting one. And know?
0: was part of the fact that at that stage, maybe you guys didn't know what you didn't know yet. Was it that that allowed you to have the bravery to go, well, look, we won't go into conventional space. We'll do it site-specific. We'll do it promenade and kind of... Because it seems that to be at that early stage in your career, but to have the bravery to do it, it seems, you know, quite a remarkable thing.
1: Yeah, well, it it, 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 it was that. But and also it was that we didn't have, because you know, we were down here, we didn't have many reference points, you know, you, you, you know, we, you know, there weren't other companies next to us, really, or, uh, um so, you know, I mean, w- with hindsight, you kind of go, well, actually, it, there was enormous freedom, you know, and I mean, you know, an awful lot of it was terrible. Actually, right, okay. You know? <laughs> you know, it was awful, you know, but, it was, um, I mean, after that, in uh, 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 um, you, you know, we did a, a, a big production of Clockwork Orange in Sir Henry's in the nightclub in 1984. It seems,
0: from the outside, it seems to me that that kind of has the feeling that that was the one that really put you guys on the map. Is that an accurate reflection of, of what that show did for you? Definitely. Right.
1: Definitely. And, and I mean that that was a kind of, I, I think that, you know... Um, kind of were getting our uh, heads around what we were doing and what was working and what wasn't working with that. You know, that was a, that was an amazing show because, like, you know, that Henry's was at the time one of the most important clubs in Europe with regard to dance yes. music. Yeah. Um, I remember at the time, um, uh, there had been an ecstasy-related death and there was awful... Tabloid journalism all over the country about these dens of iniquity. So, I remember us going in there to do that play and having Sir Henry's the Corova Milk Bar and the Droogs in there. That you know, it it, you know, it all knitted together. Both in terms of you know something that we were talking about in a contemporary sense with. A text that made sense with it in a place that uh, 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 made sense, and with an audience who uh, were coming to theatre for the first time, because they'd go to the club afterwards as well. Then and like I remember, it was amazing that you know, you know, up to that point, you know, like anybody else, you kind of fighting for audiences. But I remember, like, there were queues outside. You know, at the street, I remember the first time, we couldn't believe it. Like
0: That's amazing. And also, like you say, because um, Sir Henry's was such an iconic venue, and I guess with Clockwork Orange being such an iconic source material to go at, um, it just it, it seems that the, the ingredients were all there and that you guys, like you said, had been refining and honing what you'd been doing over a couple of years, that it just seemed to be that, that kind of magical thing of, of all the elements coming together at the right time.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it kind of, uh, um, and I mean, it was kind of when you were to, sp- where to stage the particular scenes within the place. Do you know what I mean? Which, you know, the, the, uh, 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 or how, uh, 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 how uh, how to make the, the production fluid. Was there, en-
0: yeah. was there any kind of a backlash from the more established theatrical community down there in as much as it existed in that here were these, you know, fresh young Turks coming along and... And, and packing out and you know like you say queuing around the block was there was there any kind of uh reaction or resentment or or anything
1: Do you know that i i i actually don't know because we really weren't involved with whatever existing theater community there was at all right you know we re- and like that wasn't out of um that wasn't an active thing we just weren't you know uh, uh uh, you know, I suppose you know we'd approached a couple of theatres to see if we could do stuff in there, and quickly realised that it was out of our pocket reach to go in there. So we were just doing our own together. It was a big bunch of us, and like we were hanging out we weren't hanging around with theatre people anyway. We were hanging around with musicians and DJs and you know artists or whatever it was, but there was no. Uh, And like, you have to remember, there wasn't a whole pile going on in Cork at that time, either in terms of theatre or anything for that matter. And
0: how much was, you know, surrounding yourself with those kind of people, like you say, with bands and and with DJs and whatever else, how much of that filtered into the aesthetic of what you guys were doing? Was it that something you were just kind of picking up by osmosis or was it more of a, a, well, I know you kind of, was it more a more conscious movement in that direction then?
1: It wasn't. Again, it was just by osmosis. If that's what it was, yeah. you know. Uh, um I mean, like we, you know, we weren't t- t- like the thing at that time is that we weren't trying to uh, uh, make something like anybody else. Or there was nothing to save. say, for example. I mean, we weren't seeing an awful lot of stuff. It's very rare that we get to see something down there. Right. Okay. You know. Uh, uh, um. So we were kind of cocooned off a way to do our own thing. So all we knew was that it was working with the people that were coming to see it. Okay. So then it wasn't too much
0: longer after Clockwork Orange that the entire phenomenon around Disco Pigs happened. What yeah. are your recollections of the time of that show coming together? When did you first get involved with it? When did you first hear about it? How did that come together?
1: Well, I suppose Enda, uh, like, had, had been involved, uh, like, Ender had a, um, he had been working in a show with Graffiti. Uh, um, when I met him first, it was a very good friend of his, Alan Howley, who was doing stuff uh, with us at the time. And um, uh, so, uh, Ender kind of latched onto us a bit insofar as that he was going, this is great, uh, uh, this company uh, 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 doing this stuff here. And he was very anxious to write, um, so we worked on a lot of stuff. Uh, um, I mean, and I directed in, in um, uh, 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 up in the Everyman. We did, we we got some money from the Arts Council. It was the first thing we got money for for um, Greek by Stephen Burkov, which was just before, shortly before uh, uh, Clockwork or Orange, and um, so then there was, and, and I had scripted the. Uh, 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 um, what do you call it again, The Christmas Carol? He'd adapted that. We did um, The Ginger Ale Boy, another you know, play of his. So it was kind of rolling along that we were developing, I suppose, a way of working together. And I remember, like, with that play then, I remember, because when we were doing Clockwork Orange, Enda was up in the gate, actually, acting in the old Curiosity Shop or something right. like this. He'd asked in that after doing uh, The Ginger Ale Boy. And he came back then with... Um, Disco pigs and uh, like straight away, it was a, you know, it was an extraordinary play. And I guess that the thing of um, the fact that it was uh, written in the Cork idiom was pretty uh, uh, unusual uh, uh, to read it as a Cork one from this guy uh, 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 from Dublin reading it, you know, or, or writing it rather. Um, so... Yeah, so I remember, like, but that was kind of, you know, it was, it was I mean, it was very, uh, um, it was written with uh, a view to us bringing the work outside the city as well. And was
0: that the first time you guys were looking beyond the boundaries of Cork then?
1: It kind of was, yeah. Um, I'm saying, let's, you know, let's uh, do a small show. We decided we do it on two chairs and we could tour it. Right. No. So I mean I remember we rehearsed it. I mean obviously you know uh, uh, Eileen March was uh, an obvious choice because she had been in Dante Dan at that time. Um, uh, uh, and we had seen that in the Everyman by Gina, Gina Moseley, yes. and uh, she was amazing in that. And like so, so it was very you know she was from Cork and she had this. And uh, uh, then with Killian, I had taught him in school and he was kind of uh, uh, I did workshops in the school that he was in um, and he kind of had. Been pestering me around town. Then he used to come and see our stuff. Then uh, he wanted to, to, to come in. And then I remember I was living in London at the time, coming over and back to do the shows. And I said, "End." I said, "Just was a guy there and over, and he's always annoying." Mean, we, we might try him because we, we couldn't find him. So then Killian uh, uh, was was the was kind of. Um, he was great. So then we rehearsed it and it was just dynamite like with the two of them. It was incredible. And with that text, you know, uh, 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 it was just extraordinary. And I remember, saying to Enda, like outside the Granary studio, we were rehearsing it, like about a couple of days before we opened and um, I uh, uh, I said to myself, Enda, I don't really think there's much more we can do to make this any better. And I've never felt like that about anything ever since even, right. you know. Um, because it was just, it just, it was extraordinary. But I remember then that the first, first performance of it, uh, it was a preview and like there wasn't a whole pile of people, there wasn't the Triscoll, it was like a small seat. And I remember it was over and there was silence, right? And, uh, uh, I said, fuck it, that, that, they think it's only uh, half time. is it for, and they haven't got a clue what the whole thing was about. But I there was a load of people crying down the phone Wow. That's- but then eventually the applause started, and I was remember that was the very first performance of it. Um, so yeah, and I mean it was extraordinary. I remember like the fact that we brought it to Dublin, and you know, but we really, really didn't think it would um, translate to a city other than Cork because of the specific nature of the language. Yes. But sure, to be uh, uh, um, not the case, obviously. Um, so yeah, and it was you know, and it, it occupied the company for three or four years, which was a good thing and a bad thing because it kind of we came back then to do um, we did a production of Phaedra's Love in um, in Atkin's Garden Centre in this few streets uh, uh, in the city centre, and just we, we found it very hard to get an audience. We were saying, "Geez, we're big in Melbourne, but uh, we're kind of <laughs> but we we've first, taken the
0: eye off the ball at home." Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's interesting and. In terms of, like you say, from the very early stages, you knew the script was there, uh, and like you say, even from the rehearsals, it was all coming together. I mean, at that stage, did you have, whilst knowing that it was something special, did you have any indication as, you know, what the show would open up for, I guess, for everyone involved, because I know it brought an awful lot of awards your way, but in the way that it kind of, it really gave a huge kickstart, you know, particularly to Killian, but also to Enda as well.
1: Yes. No, really, to be honest with you, you know, I mean, you know, and again, it's like that thing of, you know, saying earlier that lecture, we, we were just doing what we thought was, we were just trying to do something as best we could, you know, and I suppose that, you know, uh, um, I, suppose, I mean, there was a sense, there was a bit of an inferiority complex as well, I guess, for what was going on elsewhere, you know, we thought, yeah, we're doing as best we can here and we have a good relationship with our audience here, yet probably we'll be found out now. When we go to these festivals or to uh, 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 other cities, you know, so like, but Dublin was extraordinary that it went and then to get sold out in the international part that we did a bit excellent in the the Dark Club and then the thing came invites came to Edinburgh and the Bush on, on on the strength of that and of course then that was for the following year and then on the strength of that that there was invites to festivals, um, uh, all over the world. So after a while, of course, you kind of you 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 um. You uh, believe it, you know. You say, "Yeah, we're great. We're fine. <laughs> that is fantastic." But then maybe that's not the best thing either. Then you
0: know. Wow, it's a, It must have been a remarkable experience overall. And did, do you feel that it opened up doors for you? Was it a significant kind of seal of approval for them, maybe looking for funding or for looking for audiences and um, stuff? That it said, you know, we we are this global hit. We, you know, it, and whatever else. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. I mean. We had begun to get some funding after, both the um, uh, Clockwork Orange and uh, Greek in the Ever we kind of we we got project funding for the two of those, but after kind of that that we 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 began to get um, annual funding, which you know obviously influenced that you know that you know that the level of success that that had had that you know, it, it, it definitely influenced, I'd say, the, 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 our, our funding decisions. What kind of breathing space
0: does that move to annual funding by a company? What does what does it allow you to do that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise?
1: Well, I suppose it allows you to plan, really, you know, and it allows you to uh, think about things a little further ahead. And I suppose at that time, it really was hand-to-mouth existence, um, which, you know... Uh, uh, that was okay too. I mean, all of us probably would have been working part-time jobs or um, uh, trying to say we're all in the same boat and it was kind of a given that we we're doing. But so, you know, I mean, when we, st- well, the, the, the other thing, of course, then is that once we got funding, we, and in beginning to pay people that we could do an awful lot less. We were doing so much more Uh uh before, we, like I mean, be, between Disco Pigs and Clockwork Orange, we did two years of just Devising, going in, booking a theatre to say we're going to have a show on in in five weeks, not having a clue what we were doing uh, 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 in the Triscoll. And we just kept doing that again and again and again. And without uh, exception, each one of them was off. (laughs) Right, okay. But when we came back to a text then, it was such a luxury. Come back to Disco Picks, you know, uh, uh, that we actually had a text that we could, you know, that was structured properly, but, you know, we could go at it in, a, in, 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 in a, uh, you know, that there was a theatrical style, I suppose, uh, attached to it. How much
0: are you, in the way that some people are really into text and some people are into kind of more physical stuff or more expressionistic stuff, how, how important is a proper text to you? Because I know, I mean, you've done quite a bit of Shakespeare work as well, which is, you know, kind of revered as, you know, the Holy Grail of great texts. How important is that text-based work to you?
1: Well, I think we're always uh, a text-based company and I suppose I'm always a text-based director. Um, so it's obviously uh, uh, vitally important. Um, I suppose, for me, what interests me, though, is um, how you present that text. You know, and, you know, it always interests me visually how a piece of theatre works. You know, also that within the text that there are breaks and that they are really important also in terms of what the audience experiences in those, you know. So, you know, working with, you know, good designers, lighting, set, costume, music, uh, 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 sound design, that those elements are as important to me and to the company. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. I want to talk to you a bit about some of the later productions then after the those earlier successes, because it seems to me in the way that, it seems that th- what could be perceived as quite brave choices uh, in the early days uh, it seems mm. that the kind of the brave choices you made as the company grew and grew into these massive large scale productions uh, talk to me about the pros and cons of working on such a vast big scale
1: well i suppose the uh, um I th- you know, th- I suppose all that was influenced by when we came back after this, which was around like, 1998, 1999. Um, and I remember, you know, how disappointed we all were with the, how people had attended Phaedra's Love in uh, uh, Atkins. And uh, it was kind of at that point as well, like, I think that the uh, 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 with Ender, it had kind of, he was... Heading off you know he was he he he'd, he'd bigger ambitions rather than staying in cork with korkodorka uh, uh, um I kind of was going my ambition was karkadoka, so I felt that one of the most important things was to um for for me stroke korkadorka to do was to um regain our position in the city right no for me, the things that had worked. uh, 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 Really well, were things like Clockwork Orange, that symmetry between text, place, and position, and our audience in the city. And without doubt, people were, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, people were inclined to come to those shows who may not have been inclined to go to a show inside the Opera House or the Every Minute. Yeah. Um, So they're very much the, uh, uh, the pros of it I mean like, I think one of the first you know I mean we did uh, uh, I suppose the you know Midsummer Night's Dream in Fitzgerald's Park which was a huge uh, success and, and incredibly you know I, I, I love uh, uh, doing those type of shows you know whether it be Shakespeare or you know Eugenie The, the, the Hairy Ape or Vojcik or Merchant of Venice or The Tempest or um uh any of those uh uh, uh large-scale outdoor or outdoor or on-site productions that we did um it's the it's you know it's the journey of it or the you know the, the, the really exciting thing in it for me both in terms of the audience and the actress you know one of the other things with them as well as you know with those shows that there was always a a, a community cast of non-professionals and the dynamic of that with the professional cast to me was always incredibly really... Well, that's something that's always intrigued me, because what does,
0: you know, that that kind of engagement with the local community and having then the local community engaged in a show like that, what does that bring to a show?
1: To me, it it, you know, it brings two things. It allows you to visually present enough of the stuff that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. But more importantly, I think it really... I mean, the thing that consistently I found is that I think professional actors, these are people who really wanted to be doing this, you know? Right. They were coming in after work, so we'd rehearse them, them into the scenes in the evening time if we'd been working on it. But the level of enthusiasm that these people would have without being paid and the kind of the, uh, uh, um, awe in which they would hold the actors whose job this was suddenly made those actors think about what they were doing
0: you know, yeah.
1: really really reassess what you know what you know what I you know uh, what am, and in general i mean like you know i just have such a great time for actors uh uh and uh, so, so you know i really found actors really generous with these people as well then and a really interesting mix, you know, I mean, you know, so like, you know, there's a plaster coming in or whatever, and who may not know the ins and outs, but is learning on the spot, uh, uh, watching really good actors go about their craft and, uh, uh, and yeah, it's, it, it's, um, it kind of reminds everybody, like, this is actually something really good that we're doing, yeah. you know. And I don't mean in terms of, you know, this is good for the, you know, but like, this is this is great fun and it's exciting and it's challenging and it's interesting, the work that we do. Well, it's, I mean, I, the
0: the thing that strikes me most about the kind of shows that you put on, particularly those large scale ones, is kind of the, it really keys back into the, the magic of theatre and the magic of, of things being overtly theatrical. I, I mean, I remember coming down to see, uh, Merchant of Venice that you guys did, which essentially took over the entire city, that you know that we yeah. travelled around and stuff, and it was just like just a breathtaking night of theatre. And I remember that, that it, the final scene in the courthouse, there wasn't necessarily enough room for the entire audience in there, so it was broadcast on large screens. Am I, am I remembering that right?
1: Well, we, but it was broadcast onto the outside of the courthouse, yeah, so you could watch it outside yeah. as well. And, and, and yeah. kind of that,
0: yeah. that engagement yeah. with the city and, you know, whether that was a Friday night and people were on their way out for a few nights, a few drinks that night or whatever else, that it was just kind of, it felt in the way that they say something like the Kilkenny Arts Festival that Kilkenny is the right size that everyone in the city feels a part of the festival whereas you know maybe up in Dublin it's that little bit bigger but it certainly felt on a show like that that it felt that you were completely engaged with the city and that everyone in the city knew what was going on and, and they were and they were a part of it I mean but are those kind of big magical shows is there are there any particular highlights that stand out for you from those you know really large scale ones anything that you feel sums up the proper Kirk-a-dark-a, uh influence yeah. or whatever.
1: So I think that, you know, I think uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, Merchant of Venice, Voycheck and The Hairy Ape, for me, with, of the big, large-scale ones, would be the ones that each of those kind of would be on a par for me, really, I guess. Maybe it's Voycheck might tip it just a bit, I think. Right, okay. And then, well, then talk to
0: me about moving from those big, epic shows to something infinitely more intimate, like request program which has gone so well for you guys over the last little while what, what for you as a director what kind of a shift is there in in how you kind of change your focus for a show like that
1: well I suppose like one of the things with you know the, the, the large scale shows and then pre- presenting them in places that you know like a like one of the things that like we, you know, all those shows sold out uh, um, to, you know, there were big audiences, uh, uh, but with that, with that big audiences and in the place that you were doing them, they demanded a very particular way of performance, a really large way of, uh, you know, you had to big it up to to, 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 to get across what you were saying or doing or... So, um, and I think then as well that there was a sense that there was a kind of... Uh, an, th- um, an expectation in the city for us to do this every uh, 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 year. So, as soon as one was over, you we were kind of thinking immediately, well, where's the next one going to go? Right. What's it going to be, and where, where will it take place to maintain this? And suddenly I said, i actually going to have to stop that because it's kind of, it becomes a little formulaic then uh, uh, in, in some way. And uh, I had read that that, that, that year, a, a good few years, that the request program was going, geez, this would be great to do. And I wanted to do something with Eileen as well. So uh, I'd mentioned it to her and she and I spent a week in an apartment, you know, the year before we did it. And we kind of, gone, you know, agreed to, do it the following year after spending that week and in develop, on development on it to just test the water with it, to see how this would work because you know I mean it's it's just a series of instructions to play so um it's uh it's hard to gauge how it would work or would not work if uh un, un, until you see it up yeah you know um so you know that was a very uh, uh, you know and it was just about getting into the detail of tiny things rather than the the, the 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 big gesture, you know, uh, um, so that was just very interesting to work on that in it's change, you know.
0: And how special a performer is Eileen? I mean, she's someone you worked with a couple of times now. How just how special is she?
1: She's amazing, you know. Uh, um, she really is uh, uh, an incredible actor, I think. And uh, you know, she she's thorough in her. Uh, 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 she's incredibly disciplined. Um, and remarkably intelligent as well, insofar as that, you know, you can, you know, a note session is very easy with Eileen afterwards. And all oh, this, I mean, it's so set to her, you can get the notes, but then each of them are uh, 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 immediately taken on board in the performance. Right. The next time you see it, you know. Uh, um, and, like, I remember saying that to her and uh she kind of shrugged her shoulders and said, isn't, "Isn't everybody like that?" <laughs> um, uh, 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 so yeah, and I mean, she's just got an incredible presence, and like that was one of the things that uh, I was kind of saying. Saying she's, you know, and with that show as, as I was going, uh, you know, I was saying it to Eileen, I said, to that, I'd love the opportunity to watch Eileen uh, perform for an hour in that intimate way. Yeah. I'd love it, like." you know, to see an actor like her perform in that way, you know, she's great. So talk to me then more broadly
0: about the importance to you of being based in Cork and, and, and you know, staying there. Like you say, in the early days that, you know, staying there might have been seen or perceived as a failure. But, you know, now as a conscious choice with all the success over the last 20 years, why is it important for you to stay there in Cork as your base?
1: I suppose It's my home, I suppose. For, first and foremost, and I think that you know, we, we, you know, our history is here. I mean, I couldn't imagine making work uh, uh, regularly anywhere else. Or um, so I mean, I mean, you, you know, I mean, you know, like, say for example, we're back in the Triscale now with the Theatre Development Centre, which is brilliant. You know, um, um, so there's a history there with that in terms of that we were developing our work there 18 years ago. No, there's a whole community doing it inside there, and one of the reasons that that could happen is because we had that history with the Triscan. So you know we have you know a really good relationship with City Council in terms of um, uh, what you know what the spaces that they um, allow us to use have allowed us to use uh, you know in terms of whether it be health and safety. So we have a history with all the people we need to here in the city.
0: And I suppose, a, a, and a history with audience as well, of the, you know, the theatre audience that has grown up with you over the last 20 years as well, I presume.
1: Yeah, but I think the thing with that as well is that you've got to, you, 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 what's really important that is that we need to uh, 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 build a new audience all the time as well because otherwise if we've that audience that's a diminishing or it's an older audience, we need to try to find different ways to get different audiences in as well. um. And with the new
0: developmental work that you guys have going on down there at the Triscoll, do you Mm. think through the work that you guys have put in that it's now making Cork a more viable option for the emerging theatre practitioners coming out of Cork now, say, than it was for you 20 years ago?
1: Without doubt, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, well, yes, and of course, the reason that that is, is that that there are a lot of emerging artists here in the city now, and there's a cycle. I think that those cycles happen. You know, uh, uh, you know that there was one with all of our crowd coming out that time. There was one with the, you know, uh, uh, with Ray Scannell, Tom Creed, out uh, 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 of the Granary, um, and there seems to be another uh, burst uh, uh no also so what it is it's allowing people to to, to uh, 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 make the work there you know and it's extraordinary i mean we went up with that idea and hope that it will work uh, and i mean it's just over a year now you know i think there's only been three or four weeks where there hasn't been a residency in there uh, um since it opened you know and it's booked up uh, for now as well, but you know, so it's allowing. That, like the the, the popular misconception is going to be that when it's all done in concrete, say you were saying earlier about everybody getting on and stuff, that, that there was no real um, uh, a, a sense of community in the theatre. Uh, 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 Sector in the city. Now that really is contributing to that. I mean, it's very vibrant as well. In terms of there's been enough awful lot of change in terms of Mary Hickson in the Opera House, Michael Barton Cavan in the uh, Everyman, Tom Creed with the Midsummer Festival. So suddenly everybody's talking to each other, you know. So people are beginning to work with people maybe they didn't work with before. This new company sprouting up left, right, and centre, um, and uh, people going in making work regularly stuff going on you know uh, um uh you, you know artists who who work there going on, you know that, that that shows you know have been being successful and being successful uh, in terms of critically and going on to other festivals and stuff like that but also in terms of it being made fully being realized you know uh, um so it's a uh, it's a very very um, exciting and uh, I mean we're developing work in there as well you know putting we're in the, we do exactly the same process as everybody else with the working with the thing with Gina Moxie that we did last week with uh, Damien Carney and a, a, a kind of a one man version of uh, uh, isn't, well it was influenced by Gulliver's Travels it's no more but kind. This musician simple kid do something with pat mccabe and um the Mancies are there uh in june and we did a version of the uh, uh so all these week-long things are allowing us as well to show the work on a Saturday, on a friday then as well to the resident community in the city where there's a question and answer on it afterwards so that's part of the calendar uh it's a weekly event you now for everybody in the city involved in the media. It's
0: amazing. It seems like really exciting times down there. If people want to stay in touch with you and with your work, is the Corkadarkin website the best place to go? But there's also this new um, online forum as well is presumably a good place to check out
1: yeah, well, that would be great. I mean, that kind of, it started off as kind of dying down a bit, Now we need to put a, put a bit of a push. that's would be great if anybody wanted to, you know, put anything up on and that. You
0: were saying as well that the development centre is not just for local Cork people, but that people from the rest of the country, Dublin or wherever, uh, can feel free to come down to uh, to use that as well.
1: Yes, yeah, because I suppose like that's the thing is that it, it is, um, it's really good, um, like I say, even that Dylan came down and did two weeks residency there as well, so uh, uh, to, for his show that he's making you now for the uh, uh, for number of festivals this year, and it was really, like, he found it fantastic that he had uh, this place, which he, uh, you know, Monday to Friday, and to show the work with, a, a, you know, a question and answer, uh session on it which he found very useful he did two d- 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 different weeks on it now also what's good then as well as that for the resident community in the city that they're being exposed to different artists as well then so yeah so like you know uh anybody can come down to do us you know and even to talk to us to see about with our accommodation and stuff like that you know we might be able to uh, uh, look at that as well further down the line but we're going to try to secure accommodation so for people to yeah it, it, it So it works very well on both levels for somebody to come down and make work in a kind of a a free environment and also for the, the community here to be exposed to other people and how they work. Well, that's
0: fantastic. It sounds like a, a spectacular resource. So best place to get in touch at the end is through the Corker.co website probably then or, or, or just give us a yeah. buzz down there. That's brilliant. Pat, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with us. That was a, a really interesting chat and absolutely delighted you could join us.
1: Thanks, Angus. Thanks very much.
0: So so there you have it, the brilliant Pat Kiernan, such a wonderful guy and I think a great interview there, such an interesting insight. Into you know the last 20 years of, of theatre down in Cork and real maybe the last 20 years of of real cutting edge theatre in Ireland. Uh, just an amazing guy to chat to, an amazing guy to work with. I had such a good time working with them uh, back on the Tempest. It was such an amazing show. I mean, Pat is a is a tough taskmaster. He's a guy who works really hard himself and expects everyone else to come up to the plate. It's no walk in the park there, but uh, such a great time on that show. I, I think he's an absolute genius and uh, and really exciting developmental stuff going on down there for a whole new generation of Cork. Theme makers uh, the initiatives they have going on that um, online message forum and stuff uh is is just a really interesting development and and you know they there are pains to point out that this is not only for cork people this is for and like a national resource so that message board is there for the entire industry the entire country uh, that development center is there for the entire industry and the entire country as well so uh if you have something that's that you feel is worth developing worth checking out they might well be the people that you need to talk to so look that takes us to our weekly roundup of what is going on Around the country this week At the Abbey is still, of course, the all-conquering Alice in Wonderland that I got the chance to go And see on Monday evening With a big gang of us, I even brought my kid brother along It was, uh, it's such a remarkable show It's just such... An amazing thing to see that show on that stage, and uh, and also probably more importantly, to see that audience in that theatre. I mean, you know, looking around, I'm a guy who frequents the Abbey all the time, and uh, it's very much a new, young, vibrant audience. There were there were not a huge amount of the traditional, in inverted commas. Abbey Theatre audience there. I mean they were still there, they're still coming out to support it but great to see such an infusion of new blood into Irish theatre and you know who knows maybe we can hang on to them as people who maybe don't usually see theatre as a, an option for a night out and a night entertainment but maybe with a show like this it makes uh, it makes those doors open up to them it means that maybe the rest of us can can reap the benefits of that. It was great and of course Philip McMahon's first play Danny and Chantelle, is also uh, still going on. Uh, that's at Reraw at the Globe on Georgia Street starring Stephen Jones and Eva Jane Gaffney. That is well worth checking out as an interesting companion piece to see the scope of where Philly's gone over the last, whatever, five or six years. Um, Greener is at The Gaiety with the brilliant Declan Conlon and Lorcan Cranich, who I'm working with at the moment. Those poor boys are flat out double-jobbing between the two shows. Uh, That, of course, also stars uh, Pauline McGlynn and Deirdre O'Kane as well. Uh, By all accounts, it's a great night out. Um, At Project, the Turnaround Festival is ongoing and also Rough Magic's The Housekeeper by the brilliant Morna Regan, someone I have just so much time for. Uh, That's on there at project at the moment as well and that of course is starring the amazing Cathy Belton who's also working on the house with me at the moment and double jobbing, running back and forth between those two theatres. Um, at the Viking Theatre at the Sheds they still have that production of Tuesdays with Morrie uh, The Gate has My Cousin Rachel which stars Bosco Hogan who's also working on the house at the Abbey with me at the moment. It's an amazing cast guys I know I keep saying it but uh, it really is a who's who of what's of people who are doing the most amazing work around town at the moment it's, just, it's a pleasure to be in there with them. So that's what's on at the gate at the moment. At the new theatre there is Men Are From Stony Batter Women Are From Fibsborough. still my favourite title of any play that's on at the moment. That's from Mailin Productions. Uh, Smock Alley has the last few performances of Pan Pan's production of A Dollhouse starring the phenomenal Judith Roddy and the brilliant Charlie Bonner and a load of other people there including the wonderful Pauline Hutton which is so great to have her back on an Irish stage. And um, Bewley's Cafe Theatre have Joyce uh, by Donal O'Kelly in the lunchtime slot and in their dinner theatre slot they have the picture of Dorian Gray and Focus Theatre for their last hurrah has Hollywood Valhalla with the brilliant Stuart Roach which got such phenomenal reviews earlier this year that's back for their big send off this week so uh, do please go and check that out if you get a chance and also this will feel a little bit like uh, a priest at Sunday Mass given the community announcements but this is an important one the Theatrical Cavaliers have their annual table quiz this Sunday April 29th uh, at 7.30pm at the Teachers Club on Parnell Square anyone who's been there before knows what an amazing night out there that is. it's just great crack really not your typical table quiz at all and always for uh, an exceptionally good cause so that's uh, that's 80 euro per table and you can book tables uh, if you phone Jessica Freed on 087 282 5608 087 282 5608 a great night out there is absolutely guaranteed um, as we move around the country Bag Lady by Frank McGuinness is still on the road Cork Arts Theatre uh, has John B. Keane's The Chastitute I think that's finishing up on Saturday evening and I've heard good things about so if you want to go and catch that this is the time to do it uh, and also Fishamble are still on the road with their two productions um, Sonia Kelly's Show in a Bag show The Wheelchair on My Face and Pat Kinnivan's Silent is still on the road and about to go into the Abbey all the details on those Uh, Both those shows you'll pick up at fishamble.com. So that is us. That's episode 25 in the books. Can you believe we've made it this far? Uh, We will, of course, be back next week if they'll still have me for another chat with one of Ireland's leading theatre makers. This has been the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. For Angus Ogue-McAnally, I'm Angus Ogue-McAnally. We'll see you next week.